Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word as we read from Psalm 85 and from Romans chapter 10. We're reading verses 8 through 13 of Psalm 85 and in Romans 10, five, verses 5 through 15. Now hear the word of the Lord. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Paul, writing to the Romans. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So the title of today's message is Beautiful Feet Bringing Good News. Now, admittedly, not everyone thinks of feet as beautiful. But Paul exclaims this. Why? Well, it's because of what the feet do. They bring good news. The feet are beautiful because they bring good news. You see, in those days, news wasn't, didn't come through cable television. It didn't come through your, your smartphone or social media. You know, if news, if news was received, someone delivered it. It, it came by foot. And the news that comes today, it's, it's almost instant, isn't it? You, I mean, it can happen on the other side of the world, but in a few minutes, a few seconds, you might know exactly what took place, or you would know something of what took place, not exactly. And so it depends, because we get news so fast, it depends on the content of the news as to whether or not we're excited about it. So what is the content of the good news here in this text. It's that, the salva that salvation brings a righteousness from God. 
that creates a unity in humanity through which his rich blessings flow. That's the good news. And Paul is drawing these truths from the Old Testament to prove that this has always been God's plan. That he he draws from Leviticus, from Deuteronomy, from Isaiah, from Joel, all to show that God has always been about securing a people for himself that is made up of Jew and Gentile. And that he would provide their salvation Give them his righteousness in order that they might be his people expressing his glories in the cosmos. So there's a righteousness from God. This is the first thing in verses five and six. We see Paul is is showing how the righteousness of the law and the righteousness that is by faith is brought to us by the Messiah. Look at what it says. Beginning in verse 6, but the righteousness that is by faith, he's making this this illustration, the righteousness that is by faith, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Paul is using a text from Deuteronomy chapter 30 to make the point that he, that he mentions in, chapter, in Romans 10 verse 4 where he says Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believe. So let's revisit Deuteronomy chapter 30 to gain an understanding of this and particularly verses 12 through 14. Where, the, where Moses is speaking, he says, it's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the sea so that we ha- you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Now, the things that Moses, what Moses says here, these are things that will take place after the Jews in Deuteronomy 30, after they come out of exile, because, well, so you have to ask the question, they're in exile, why are they in exile? Well, they're exiled because they failed to keep the covenant. Yet, in Deuteronomy 30, you see this beautiful picture of God fulfilling his promise to bring them back to the land, to bring them back into that he hasn't forgotten this covenant. God promises to bring them back, but not on the basis of their righteousness. As you know, and you see that in in Deuteronomy 30, verse five, he does this because of the promise to their forefathers. And this means that they didn't get there on their own steam. They didn't get there by their own righteousness, but the grace that God has extended to them because of his promise. See, this is the righteousness of God that Paul says that his brethren was ignorant of in Romans 10, 3, and that he himself, until Christ blinded him, he himself was ignorant of. Paul interprets Deuteronomy 30, verses 12 through 14 in the light of the Messiah. He sees Deuteronomy 30 as prefiguring Christ. Hence the parentheses in the Romans 10 text where he says, Christ is the one who ascends into heaven. Christ is the one who has gone into the depths and was raised. See, the righteousness that Deuteronomy 30, verse 12 through 14 demands is fulfilled by the Messiah, Jesus. 
And he lived the life they should have lived. And the righteousness of the law is fulfilled by Christ. Romans 10.5 says Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. No one could keep the law. None of them kept the law. None of us keep the law. No one keeps it perfect. Christ is the man who lives by these laws. And the righteousness of his life is given to anyone who by faith confesses Jesus is Lord. And it's this word, Paul says, is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. And now mouth and, and heart are important since Jesus revealed in Matthew 15, 18, that the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and that these make a man unclean. So what fills your heart what fills your heart comes out of your mouth. When he's talking about heart, we're not talking about that, that, that physical organ pumping the blood, but we're talking about that rational center, that core of who you are, where you, where you believe, where you operate from. And so the righteousness from God, when it fills the heart, it makes this confession with the mouth in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Jesus is Lord. The scripture says no one can say that except they're speaking by the spirit of God. Jesus is Lord, and in the end, when it is all said and done, anyone, Paul says, Gentiles included, who trust in him will never be put to shame. That's a quote from Isaiah. It's Romans 10, 11. And so there's no disappointment. There's no dismay. See, that's the righteousness that is by faith. Now, so Paul points out Jew and Gentile all through the book. And Jew and Gentile, they're differing, they're differing ethnicities, and that's true, but they, are also, they also represent two ways of not knowing the righteousness of God. See, the Jews are religious, yet ignorant of the righteousness of God. Gentiles are blind, forgetful of God, Romans 1, but, and so they can't see God's righteousness. Both Jew and Gentile need God's help. They both need. And so as both Jew and Gentile embrace the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, there emerges a unity in humanity. In Romans 10 verses 11 through 13, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in the reading, the apostle has, has been showing how God is impartial in giving out his righteousness. And Paul has been making this point, as we said, he's been making this argument from the beginning of the letter. After declaring God does not show favoritism in Romans 2, 11. Paul says in Romans 3, and 23, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, Jew and Gentile. There is no difference, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then here in Romans 10, 12, he says it again, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. See, God, 
Romans 2.11 shows no favoritism in judging evil, whether it's religious or whether it's from blindness. He makes no distinction in placing all under sin, Romans 3.23. He doesn't discriminate in giving grace and salvation. See, and it is the absence of ethnic discrimination in the distribution of God's salvation and righteousness that forms the basis of the Christian community's identity. Michael Byrd, in his commentary on Romans, he writes this. He says, to justify any form of ethnic or racial exclusion means that one either does not understand or does not believe in justification by faith. Grace and racial prejudice are mutually exclusive because justification creates a church, a new covenant community consisting of Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, Greek and barbarian, white and black, Arab and Latino, African and Asian. Churches that practice racial segregation, even for pragmatic reasons, deny the biblical teaching about the doctrine of justification as it works itself out in the koinonia, fellowship of the church. In other words, if I'm embracing, if I'm embracing the righteousness from God, it means I'm embracing a righteousness that builds bridges across the lines of race and class. The righteousness that is by faith is about more than my personal salvation. Although that's a great thing, that's a good thing, but it's about more than that. It's about embracing a righteousness that shapes and transforms whole communities. Yo, so being drawn near to God is we, we are drawn near to each other. Now the problem of, of ethnic division in our culture and, and world are fatiguing. You can say amen. Because if you ain't tired about it, that means you're fighting it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, is, it is fatiguing. And is there a solution? Yes. It is the multi-ethnic body of Christ. George Yancey, of whom we have some familiarity with because our church hired him years ago as, as a consultant. He's an African-American sociologist. And in an article in, in the Gospel Coalition, he wrote this, he, this article in critique of a, a book about white fragility. And his the title of the article is not White Fragility, Mutual Responsibility. And Yancey argues that, multi, that, that mutual accountability is rooted in Christian values White fragility is not. And he writes, we need solutions that pull us together, not drive us apart. It's the only way out of the racial alienation that's poisoning our society. We don't need more recrimination and name calling. The only way forward is together. Contrary to the questionable research surrounding white fragility, research suggests that a common identity and fruitful interracial con contact can reduce prejudice. My own work indicates that interracial couples and multiracial churches have found ways to solve racial problems equitably. Conceptually, the mutual accountability approach is more likely to produce unity across racial and ideological groups since it doesn't force anyone to ignore their own group interests only to compromise a bit. Ah. It's a great article if you get a chance to read it. 
Yeah, our, our, but our common identity, our common identity is in Christ. That fruitful interracial contact happens as we worship, walk, and work together in Christ. See, our fellowship in Christ then blesses the world. So this righteousness of God creates a unity in humanity that becomes the place where the rich blessings of God flows, which is the church's mission. So there's the flow of rich blessings. Romans 10, 14 through 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This good news, it's got to be transmitted. Somebody's got to take it. And in verse 12, Paul talks about this richness, how the Lord richly blesses all who call on him. So this rich humanity, that, this rich unity that, that God has given, this rich, it has to be made known. And so this rich blessing is connected to the salvation provided by the Lord. See, the rich blessing of a, a righteousness from God fills the content of the good news. See, rich is not materially speaking, but being rich toward God, rich in terms of salvation, in terms of righteousness, justification, glorification, real riches that take you beyond the grave. Perhaps you've seen the bumper sticker before, he who dies with the most toys wins. Well, the truth is, he who dies with the most toys is the supplier of someone else's yard sale. <laughs> you aren't taking it with you. In fact, the only, thing, the only thing you get to keep is what God gives you. And Psalm 85 describes what God gives. And, and Psalm 85 is written with one of the sons of Korah, but it's written to remind what the Lord does as he redeems, as he restores. And it says, when the hearts turn to listen to the Lord, he promises shalom to his people. Verse 8 of Psalm 85. Verse 9 says, surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. It's God's salvation leads to his glory dwelling in the land. And when he's talking about the land, it's not just the promised land, he's talking about the whole earth. The whole, the whole earth. So here's the rich flow. How will this happen? How will this happen? Verse 10, by love and faithfulness meeting together. When will this happen? When righteousness and peace kiss each other. What will be the result? Verse 11 and 12, faithfulness springs from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. See, the Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvests. And from whom does this righteousness come? Verse 13 says, righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his step. It's from the Lord. And this is, so this is the flow of the rich blessing of the Lord. And this is good news, brothers and sisters. This is good news for every person in every place, in, in every time. And it's good news for the planet too. As heaven, as we see in the text, heaven and earth become one. So here's the question. 
What do your feet look like? Keep your shoes on. Examine the news you're bringing. You're bringing someone's news. You're bringing somebody's news. Examine the news that you're bringing. Are you bringing a news of a righteousness that you produced or that someone else has produced? Are you changing your identity according to the culture or are you changing it according to the scripture by embracing the gospel? If you're embracing the righteousness that comes by faith, and you might ask, well, how do I, how do, how does the righteousness from God come to me? That's a good question. And the good news is God doesn't want you to be ignorant. It comes to you by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the confession that Jesus is Lord acknowledges Jesus Christ gave his life in exchange for yours. See, on the cross, as Jesus died, love and faithfulness met together. Hallelujah. On the cross... And as Jesus' hands and feet were pierced, righteousness and peace kissed each other. On the cross, brothers and sisters, Jesus was scarred so that you and I could be made beautiful before the Father. You see, the irony, the irony of, of beautiful feet bringing good news is that Jesus' feet were pierced so that ours could be made whole as we take the good news of Christ to the world. Our feet are beautiful as we bear the good news of this righteousness from God that creates a unity in humanity through which his rich blessings flow. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we are, are grateful to you for the goodness that you have given to us through Christ. Lord, capture our hearts and minds again and again. Lord, lead us in deep meditation of the gospel and what it means for our lives and our world, our communities. As we bear the good news, Lord, may it be beautiful. May our feet be swift and beautiful for you as you are glorified in us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.